just want to explain that um, I'm still recovering from a fairly serious illness and consequently my voice is quite weak and I'm going to need to sip periodically through the course of the uh, talk that I'm about to give so I'm sure you'll understand that but here's a true story to start with you know the late great Trevor Chandler was in Papua New Guinea preaching and while he's preaching in, in, in mid-preach he swallowed a fly and without missing a beat he made this declaration there are some proud parents today because their child is in the ministry one person thought that was funny. Well, all that really just to set myself up to be able to say to you, Mandy and I are proud parents today because both our children are in the ministry. And I want to say uh, just how proud we are of them. And, um, you know, the reason for that is because they are pastor's kids, as you're well aware. They, grow, they grew up knowing about the unique nature of ministry they knew what church work was like. Uh, they knew about the loneliness and the tensions and the disappointments and the sacrifices that are unique uh, to church ministry. And yet despite this, when the Holy Spirit tapped them on the shoulder, they said yes, they were obedient to the call. And I think that's what we're most proud of, the fact that they came into this calling uh, fully aware of what God was leading them into. Very proud of Betsy today. Very proud of her. She was the one in our family, and you heard her say this herself, who grew up saying, I will never marry a pastor. Well, she kept a word, I guess. <laughs> it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, something very interesting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul who was to become Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Notice that it says work, because not a lot of people always notice this. It doesn't say set them apart for a walk in the park. It doesn't say set them apart for a life of smelling the roses. Uh, it doesn't say set them apart for a life of working on Sunday and having the rest of the week off. It says, set them apart for the work to which I am calling it. Serving God is hard work. It's really hard work. And I want to say this morning that the things I want to share with you have real application to everybody in this room. First of all, I've certainly got in mind Pastor Betsy. And I believe that this is a talk that will really set her up to be able to complete the race that God has put before her. I believe it's a talk that will encourage every pastor in the room. I have no question about that. And I also believe it's a talk that will encourage every single one of you who loves God and is serving God. It's a very important talk. Did you know that in Australia today there are more pastors who are out of ministry than there are who are actually serving in ministry. More pastors have left the ministry than those who are serving. That's quite remarkable if you think about it. And um, it's quite a serious thing. And just before anybody puts their hand over their mouth and says, bad pastors, you've got to listen to this next bit as well. 
there are hundreds of thousands of Christians in Australia who no longer love God enough to worship on a Sunday in a local church. And according to research from the Roland Croucher Research Centre, uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people in, in our churches today who are right on the verge of leaving the church and going nowhere because they've just stopped loving God. So what I want to share this morning really has application to all of us. And it's something that I think will help us to... Um, be able to complete the call that God has placed on all of our lives. So as we get started, uh, just look at the person beside you. Have a good look at them for a minute. I want you to sort of work out whether or not you think they need a good rest or not. Don't anybody point. Don't anybody call out and say he does. I don't know what you're thinking. Maybe you're thinking, well, forget about him. I need a rest. Well, what I want to talk about this morning is a wonderful provision that God has made available for Christians and it's called God's rest. Interesting, isn't it? There's a provision for us called God's rest. And I'm going to read in a minute from Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 11. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to it now, but keep your finger in it because we're going to go back to it from time to time. If you haven't got a Bible, that's fine. It'll be up on the screens. Now, Christians are busy people. And sometimes when I look around at what we're doing, I wonder if we're having some kind of competition with each other to see just who's the busiest. almost feels like we're, we're sort of trying to work uh, bragging rights for who's the busiest Christian around the place. You know, busy little Christians running here and there and everywhere. You know, I've got to fulfill God's will. I've got to fulfill my calling. I've got to use my gifting and looking totally exhausted while they do it. You know, the very people that we want to influence for Christ look at us and they think, if that's what happens to you when you become a Christian, then I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to end up looking exhausted and being exhausted. The truth is, however, that is that we should fulfill God's will. We should fulfill our calling. We should uh, fulfill our gifting. We should do these things, but there is this wonderful provision that God has made available for us, and it's called God's rest. You can rest while you work. You can rest while you work. Sounds like I'm putting a call out to join the council, doesn't it? Just lost all the council workers of the world. I repent, I'm very sorry. But you know, you can do all the things that God wants you to do and still be alive and vital when Christmas comes around instead of being at the end of yourself, feeling exhausted, looking exhausted. Probably a good place to start right now is to ask the question, what is rest or how do you define rest? The dictionary defines rest like this. It says, refreshing inactivity after excursion. Ex exertion. Refreshing inactivity after exertion. Makes sense? Pretty well right. But what kind of image does that conjure up in your mind? You know, maybe lazing away the hours in a tropical lagoon of 
crystal clear water while lying on a beach of pure white sand with the shade of coconut trees keeping the heat of the day off you as you watch the sun sink slowly in the west between your toes. And somebody coming along and very kindly handing you a can of ice cold diet coke. Well, guess what? You can have an experience like that if you want to pay a few thousand dollars for the privilege. The trouble with that kind of rest, however, is that it's going to be short-lived and it's not going to be long before you're back at work in the land of realities and you're going to feel just as tired as you were when you went off for your holiday. And you know what I mean. We spend thousands of dollars on holidays. We go back to work and before we know it, we're just ready for another holiday. It's the truth. Let me read these verses from Hebrews chapter 4, and this sets the foundation for what I want to say. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. And he's referring back to the people of Israel. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as the people of Israel did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. And again on this, in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spake through David, as he said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also enters from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. That verse 11 is a very important verse. It says in there, so that no one will fall by following their example. Whose example? Well, we're speaking about the people of Israel. It is they who did not get into the promised land. It is they who did not enter God's rest. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, don't be like them. Don't be like Israel who missed out on entering their rest. I want to say there's something really simple here. It's a very simple thing. In fact, it's so simple you can miss it. And yet it's one of the most liberating truths of the Bible. Let me say this again. You can rest while you serve God. 
you can rest while you work. This is really fantastic if you get it. You can rest while you're busy in your serving. Pastor, you can rest while you're busy serving. Pastors, you can rest while you're busy serving. Christians, you can rest while you're busy serving. It's a paradoxical statement, isn't it? You can rest while you work. It doesn't really make sense. Yet the Bible is quite clear about it. It seems so enigmatic, so completely illogical to be at rest while you work. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, was trying to work out what it meant to abide in Christ. And one day he was thinking about John chapter 15, verse 5. It reads like this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now he's thinking about this and while he's thinking about it, he's lying under a tree. He's looking up through the branches of a fruit tree and he's thinking to himself, what on earth is the branch doing to produce such great fruit? And he gets this revelation. The branch was doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. The branch was producing good fruit, but the branch was doing nothing. All the branch was doing was to remain tapped into the root system. All the branch was doing was remaining tapped into the life source. It wasn't doing anything else. Hebrews 4 verse 9 says... There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Okay, what is a Sabbath rest? What on earth does it mean when it says there remains then a Sabbath rest? Well, the writer of the Hebrews knows because he's referring to something that's recorded way back in the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 4, 10 and 11, it says, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work. His own work. Now, my work as a pastor, your work as a pastor, your work as a staffer here, your work as an intern here, your work as a volunteer here, your work as a, as a, as a connect group leader, whatever you're doing in the church here, it's saying that anyone who enters God's rest also rests from that work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. This is really important. There is a rest that is different from man's rest. The rest that we defined earlier is being refreshed after exertion. It's a rest that doesn't last. And we all understand that. But there's a different kind of rest and it's called God's rest. And we need to make every effort to enter that rest. Again, if you get this, Pastor Betsy and other pastors and others who are loving God and serving God, if you get this, you will keep loving God, you will keep serving God you will stay excited and you will serve with all your heart. The Bible says, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. 
So the question is, when did God rest? Well, we know the answer to that because it's in the first few verses of Genesis. He rested on the seventh day. But I want to look at this a bit more closely because it'll help you to get excited. Just like I got excited about 24 years ago when I first saw this. It, it changed my life. Caused me to really begin to research this whole matter and understand the personal application of it. What was God doing before he rested? Well, he was creating the heavens and the earth. We know that. That was his work. God's work was creating the heavens and the earth. Let's go through those six days leading up to the seventh. It's all in Genesis 1. You know, day one, God creates the day and the night. Uh, uh, day two, he creates the sky. Uh, day three, he creates the land and the vegetation and the trees. Uh, day four, the sun, uh, the moon, the stars. Day five, the sea creatures, the birds. Day six, the land creatures. And best of all, me. Or you, us. It was a good day. But then comes day seven. And here it is in Genesis chapter two, the first couple of verses. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. And I think we're only just beginning to understand just how vast the heavens are. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work, all of his creation. I think it's worthwhile looking at what God did and what God didn't do when he rested. You know, if we had the time, we could ask everybody, what do you think God did when he rested? I think one of the obvious answers it would be something like, wow, God got to the end of those six days, said, that took a lot more out of me than I expected. Oh, I think I need a rest. And then he looked down at the Isle of Palms, saw that that was brilliant, saw it was a good place to go and rest. And he lay down on the beach under the shade of one of those coconut trees that you know keeps the heat of the day off you. Watch the sunset between his toes and he had the angels come and feed him Diet Coke as much as he wanted. <laughs> how many of you know that's not what happened? How many of you know that's not how God rested? See, it says in Isaiah chapter 40, 28 and 29, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired. And his understanding no one can fathom. Then it goes on to say this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. See, that makes it really clear that God has endless energy, unending energy energy as much as he could ever need in fact so much more than he could ever need in fact so much overflow that he gives it back to us God has endless energy which he gives to us endless strength which he gives to us 
And so at the end of six days of creation, God did not collapse on his heavenly throne and pull up his heavenly footstool and rest. God didn't do it like that. That's not how he rested. So if he didn't rest like that, how did he rest? What is the Sabbath rest that remains for all God's people to enter into? What's it like? Well, the Hebrew word for rest gives us the clue. Hebrew word for rest is Shabbat, and it means in general cessation from work, as we would expect it to mean. But when you dial down it, when you really tease out that Hebrew word, it means much more than just stopping work. This Hebrew word is connected with the Sabbath or the seventh day, as we've just seen, and has within it the clear concept of celebration and enjoyment. Celebration and, enjoy and enjoyment. When God rested, he celebrated and he enjoyed his creation. You need to think about that for a minute. Now, some people kind of react a bit to that idea and basically just say, I don't believe that. A lot of Christians think all it means is God stopped working for a day, just had a day where he didn't create things. A lot of Christians can't believe that God could rest by celebrating and enjoying his creation. And so they think that the Christian life is just a hard grind. They don't believe that Jesus meant what he said in John 10, verse 10, uh, verse 10 I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Love that verse. You know, life overflowing, that's what it means. Uh, life in abundance. Uh, lavish amounts of life. So much life that you can't even handle it. That's what Jesus is saying. But, you know, a lot of Christians just don't believe that. I think that Jesus was really saying, I am come to work you hard, grind you into the ground. So there's no time for celebration or enjoyment. In other words, a lot of Christians are just, well, they've got just enough religion in them to be miserable. <laughs> Exodus 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. See, God's saying you can work all of the other days, but rest on the seventh day. Some Christian thinks God means get religious on a Sunday. I don't have any fun on Sunday because it's God's day. They think that God doesn't want you to do anything on Sunday except go to church and be religious. Maybe we don't think that all that consciously, but our actions seem to work it out. And it's no wonder that many people watching us have been turned off the church. No wonder they would choose the world's version of fun rather than ours. Hebrews 4 verse 9 should be read like this. There remains then a Sabbath celebration or enjoyment. That's how it should be read. There remains then a Sabbath celebration or enjoyment. We must learn to celebrate and enjoy God. Now, in Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2, God didn't lie down and sleep the day away. We've worked that out. He enjoyed what he had made. In fact, God enjoyed what he did in technicolor detail. It says God made the light and he saw that it was good. And if you 
really get into the Hebrew of that word there, you understand that like he didn't just say, well, that's good. It, it, really, it really came out of his spirit, his joy, his sense of celebration at how brilliant it was. He made the sea. He said, that's good. He made the trees. That's good. He just celebrated, celebrated it all. But on the seventh day, God looked at all the creation and he said, it's very good. He had this great burst of celebration and enjoyment. Now, taking this a little bit further, the Sabbath rest, and, and this, is, this is important, really get this, the Sabbath rest is not about a Sabbath day. Sabbath rest is not about a Sabbath day. New Testament Christians are never called to keep a Sabbath day. We look at Sunday and sometimes you hear it called a Sabbath. In some churches today, it's still called the Sabbath. But the Bible, the New Testament, never teaches that we are to maintain a Sabbath day. Never teaches that. We're called to assemble ourselves together and to worship God for sure. No doubt about that. So we've chosen to follow the lead of the early church and worship on the resurrection day, the first day of the week, which is a Sunday. But even so, there's still no biblical law for that. We, we could celebrate, we could worship, we could come together any day of the week. It wouldn't bother God at all. Sunday is not the Sabbath. The first day of the week, the Sunday, was a market day for the early church. And when they met, well, scholars of different opinions, some say they met before they went to work. Others say they met in the middle of the day because they had this big break, a kind of siesta break. That's when they met. Others say they met after work. Not real sure exactly when they met. But they met on a market day, the first day of the week. If we're trying to keep a Sabbath day, we've got it wrong from the start for the simple reason that the Sabbath is actually a Saturday. But we're not called to keep a Sabbath. But we are called to keep a Sabbath rest. And listen to this. A Sabbath rest, that's about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's about a 24-7 experience with God. A Sabbath rest is celebrating and enjoying God in uninterrupted community 24-7. You might say, well, why are you so convinced that this is supposed to be like an unending experience, a 24-7 experience? I wonder if you've ever wondered what God was up to in the Old Testament when he made it a law that they should have one day the Sabbath to worship and enjoy him. I mean, I, I thought about that. You know, Adam and Eve enjoyed community with God 24-7. It wasn't just a particular day, a particular time. They enjoyed community with God 24-7. And it seems like in the cool of the evening, God would come to them and they would meet together and talk together. But then it tells us that they rebelled against God. They messed it up. They lost fellowship with God. They stopped celebrating God. They stopped enjoying God. In fact, they hid from God. So God started this amazing plan to restore community with them. He sent Abraham to gather a people called Israel on a journey back to celebration and enjoyment of God. 
Then he sent Isaac and Jacob until ultimately along comes Moses who gets this message from God way out in the desert, a law for the people of Israel to live by, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why did God do this? Why did he make it a law? God always has a good reason for making a law and it had nothing to do with spoiling our fun or being religious. It was his intention for Israel to celebrate and enjoy him so much on that one day a week, the Sabbath, that they would want to celebrate and enjoy him every day of the week. That was his plan. You will enjoy this so much, you want to do this every day. The Sabbath in the Old Testament was an invitation to rejoice in God's creation and recognize God's sovereignty over our lives, over our time, over everything that happened and to celebrate. In Deuteronomy, we see the Sabbath being connected with Israel's deliverance from Egypt, a, 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 a complete connection with the Sabbath uh, being um, a celebration and an enjoyment of their deliverance from Egypt. Resting on the Sabbath was about celebration and enjoyment, but God wanted that to become this 24-7 habit. And that's what Hebrews 4 verse 7 is about. An interesting little verse that you can read through. And you know, I had somebody say to me at the break between services, I've always wondered about this verse. Now it makes sense. Now I understand it. And it is a strange verse. Listen to it. God again set a certain day, calling it today. God again set a certain day. He did it in the Old Testament. He set a day, called it the Sabbath. But now he's again setting a day, a certain day, and he's calling it, not the Sabbath, today. Today is Sunday. Tomorrow is Monday. But tomorrow, when I get up on Monday, it will be today. You get it? And Tuesday will be today, and Wednesday will be today, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and so on. God wants us to celebrate and enjoy him today, every day, 24-7. That's what God's intent was. He wants us with an eagerness of heart to celebrate and enjoy Everything he has done for us, all the great and mighty works he's done for us, all the provision that he has poured into our lives. I'm all for Sunday. I'm a big believer in Sunday. There's not many days of my life that I haven't been in church on a Sunday. I'm all for Sunday worship. I'm all for Sunday community. I'm all for Sunday testimonies about the goodness of God. But please, church, let's get this right. Let's get it right. God wants us to make it a 24-7 experience. God wants us to celebrate and enjoy him seven days a week. How do we celebrate God when we come together on a Sunday? Well, this is something that is a distinctive of our kind of church. And it's just one of the blessings of God that in these recent years... Uh, our understanding of worship has opened up so much more. 
And in our church here at Cuddlers, when we come together, we worship and we encourage you to celebrate and enjoy God just as the Bible tells us to do it, with a song. You know, to sing with all of your heart. Just don't stand too close to me when I'm singing. Or with a clap offering. You know, loud, enthusiastic applause. You know, our worship leaders regularly encourage us. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. And sometimes I just hear this little ripple around the room. Man, we should give thunderous applause when we get the opportunity to bring a clap offering. With a shout, it's legal to shout in church. Totally legal. And jumping up and down on the spot or in circles or however you want to jump in excitement. It's all legal. It's in the book. Raising your hands as you sing. That's a demonstration of surrender to God, surrender of your heart to God. Just telling each other about the great and mighty works that he's done for you as you have a cup of coffee. That's worship. That's celebration. That's enjoyment. This is experiencing a Sabbath rest. I honestly believe that when we enter this Sabbath rest, God himself comes down and he dances in the aisles and shouts back at us, I can see you. I see you dancing. I see you shouting. Even those who are fairly reserved and just stand there in one spot, God leans in and says, I can see your big toe wriggling. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be that we shout and jump. You know, we're all different the way we're wired up. It's about our heart really that matters. That God sees that. He loves it when we celebrate. And when we leave these services, we feel revitalized in spirit. We feel great. Because we've met with God. We've been able to celebrate God. We've been able to enjoy God. That is entering the Sabbath rest. This is resting in your service. But it's not meant to be just a Sunday thing. You know, hundreds of times over the years, and I mean this literally, hundreds of times over the years, while I was pastoring, I felt flat and exhausted from the work of ministry. And I wondered if I had it in me to just keep on doing what God had called me to do. And I'd walk into the next room and some of the team would be there. We'd start talking and somebody would talk about a life that had been transformed. Somebody would talk about something that I hadn't seen happen on a Sunday. Somebody talked about a great healing that had taken place. And, and, and I could feel my spirit rising and rising and rising, a new strength coming to me. And I'd walk out of the room thinking, how crazy, how stupid of you to think of stopping. Why would you stop when there's so much to celebrate and so much to enjoy? That is a Sabbath rest. That is resting while you serve. And this can be and should be a 24-7 experience, reserved not just for Sundays. You know, I've got a friend... Keith Farmer, he's 75 years old. He's an old guy, older than me. And, you know, he looks it. And he, he came and visited with us a couple of weeks ago, stayed in our house overnight, got up early in the morning, went for a long walk. I mean a long walk. It was about an hour and a quarter, an hour, 20 minutes. He comes back and he came in and 
I said, Keith, you've been away for so long. I said, why would you do that? He said, oh, I love my morning walks. I said, well, why? What do you do? He said, oh, I said, I walk and it's just God and me. And I enjoy God. I celebrate God. I, I call out to God. I raise my hands to God. And I just have a wonderful time. My only problem is, he said, I'm a 75-year-old man walking around the street, talking to himself, <laughs> waving his hands in the air. And I know what people are thinking when they look at me. But I don't care because I'm celebrating. I'm enjoying God. And I thought to myself, that is a great life lesson for me. I wish I'd have learned it many, many, many years earlier. A short while ago, as you probably remember, I went on a cruise through the South Pacific. It was a great time. The whole family was there. We had a wonderful time. But when I got home, I was immediately back into a week of um, you know, heavy work, speaking at seminars, uh, traveling across the country, attending national leadership meetings, all that kind of stuff. I got home from that week feeling just as tired and weary as I was before I went on the cruise. See, I'm making the point that man's rest um, just doesn't do it for you in the long term. But God's rest will. I'm not against holidays, by the way. <laughs> no way. I'm all for them. Um, in fact, I'm retired. If you didn't know, I'm now about two or three weeks retired. And I'm enjoying it. And I'm going on another cruise in just a couple of weeks. But I'll tell you something. You don't get the soul refreshment. God doesn't feed your soul the same way on a cruise as he does when you enjoy this Sabbath rest. I'm telling you, that's my experience. As I finish, uh, let me just tell you how this works. Pastors, elders, staff, interns, um, connect group leaders, and all the others who, who serve so faithfully in this church every serving Christian at Catalyst. Here's a practical application. I'm not going to read this. It's uh, Hebrews 3, 7 to 11. But it records why Israel didn't enter their Sabbath rest. A lot of Christians don't enter their Sabbath rest. Some of you listening to me today sadly won't enter your Sabbath rest. And here's the reason. Israel stopped celebrating and enjoying God for all that he had done for them. They just stopped celebrating and enjoying God. And they started to look to other gods to give them the hope and the future that God had promised them. And in the process of doing that, this made their hearts hard towards the one true God. So they never, ever entered the Sabbath rest. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. I will read these verses. They say this, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And here it is again, this 24-7 thing. But encourage one another daily, daily, as long as it's called today. Today is every day. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's my paraphrase of that. Make sure, my fellow Christians, that you do not stop trusting God with all your heart so that you stop celebrating and enjoying him. In fact, 
encourage each other 24-7 about all the great and mighty things that God has done for you so that you do not become hard-hearted and forget about his faithfulness. You see, if you forget about this great and mighty God that we've got and the things he's done in his life, well, then you get disgruntled, you get ticked off, and you stop serving. That's when we get all pear-shaped about serving. You know, it's a working bee on. Well, what about my backyard? I need a working bee there. What do you mean? Kids, but it's teachers. I need a break from kids. And so we get all pear-shaped and get these wrong attitudes about serving. You get weary and you give up. Here it is. As long as you focus on the greatness of our gracious God and all that he has done for us, we will celebrate and enjoy God and that, church, is how you rest while you serve. As long as you enjoy and celebrate God, your spirit will be revitalized and you will have the power, the strength to continue to serve with a whole heart towards God. So Pastor Betsy, pastors one and all, every serving Christian here at Catalyst, that's what will keep you happy and vital and excited as you serve God in this church. Enter your Sabbath rest and rest while you serve. So Father, again we ask that these words from your word will find a place in our hearts so that we do something with them so that we become better equipped to keep working to keep serving and not give up Lord help each one of us even this day even in this moment to remind ourselves about the great and mighty things you've done for us. Help us to realize, Lord, there is so much to celebrate, so much to enjoy about you. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. Keep us healthy. Keep us loving you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.